The message I want to share with you is really based on a passage that is well known, but very often misunderstood. After his resurrection, we recently celebrated resurrection, actually every Sunday. Sunday is the day of resurrection. That's why Christians move from Sabbath to Sunday, because the Lord rose on some, what we call Sunday. Okay? Actually, in Russian, if any of you speak Russian, it's called Voskresenie. Voskresenie means resurrection. That's how the chapter begins. After the Sabbath, at dawn of the first day of the week, all kinds of things happened, but they saw the Lord. They found out that he was not dead. He rose from the dead. He, he was victorious over evil, over hatred, over sin, over grave, over death. And so it ends with, uh, begins this last chapter uh, with resurrection. And it ends with something that is called great commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Now here the risen Lord says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Here I present all nations. Okay. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord, we've read your word. Now I pray for anointing as we proclaim it. But not only as we proclaim it, but as we listen. And may it change our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Great commission. You know, there are various kinds of Christians in the world. There are Eastern Orthodox Christians. They celebrated Easter one week after we did. Because they use a different calendar. Okay? Eastern Orthodox. And they are national churches. So there is a Russian Orthodox Church, and Ukrainian Orthodox Church, and Romanian Orthodox Church, and Serbian Orthodox Church, the area where I work in Serbia, and so on. There are, of course, Catholic or Roman Catholic churches. There are Lutheran churches. There are Reformed or Calvinistic churches. There are Methodist churches. There are various kinds of Pentecostal churches and various kinds of Baptist churches. I did not know until I came to this country that there were Northern Baptists and Southern Baptists and regular Baptists and irregular Baptists. <laughs> so, uh, especially in this country, you have so many denominations. Now, they are all Christian churches. In Europe, we do have a problem with Christian churches. Because if you travel through the land of Reformation, 
you see gray Gothic cathedrals reaching toward heaven. And you enter them and you think you are in a museum because they stand as empty witnesses to what appears to be a dying faith. So in Europe we talk about nominal Christianity, nominal Christians. That means those who are Christians only by name. But they don't live it. They've not experienced the gospel. Here in America you talk about cultural Christianity. All the Americans go to church more often than Europeans do. In many European, Western European countries, Sunday is not a worship day. It's just a welcome break between two working weeks. So, various kinds of Christians. Now, I was part of a movement that from 1974 on, since the Great Lausanne Congress on World Evangelization, invented a new term. It's called Great Commission Christians. Great Commission Christians, based on this scripture and, and related scripture like Mark 16, Luke 23, Great Commission Christians are those who have experienced the life-transforming power of the gospel and are sharing it with others. See, every Christian is to be a witness. You believe that? Yes. Not every Christian is an evangelist. Like Billy Graham was evangelist. The, the, the noun evangelist is mentioned only five times in all of the New Testament. But the verb which describes the activity is mentioned over 40 times. Are you with me? We are all invited into that activity of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because it's the only hope for our broken world. And you may have a neighbor or a friend who needs his or her life changed. The gospel will do it. But you need to share it. Okay, so these are the Great Commission Christians. Now, I have a problem, however, the way sometimes this Great Commission is used in North America. Okay? Because North American society, dynamic society, it's all about doing things, taking initiative. It's an entrepreneur society. That's, on the one hand, the secret of success. But when it comes to Christian faith, and when many of the Great Commission Christians begin with verse 19, go and make disciples, or go and evangelize the nations, when you begin with a go, you don't have the whole gospel. And my concern is about the whole gospel. Because if you begin with our goal, you forget that Christian life does not begin with going, but with being. Okay? New creation. And then you share by living and by the mouth of your, your testimony that good news that changed your life. So it doesn't begin with our going. It begins with his person. His authority, as I will point out in, in a minute. His power. And that's why it begins on the knees. And not with our human activism. 
even if it's religious, if it is reduced to human undertaking and we say, okay, we are going, we'll change the world. There were many around who said, we will go to every nation and by the year 2000, the world will be converted and we will give a big gift to the Lord Jesus for his 2000th birthday. The problem was, it was human engineering. Well intended, but not fully biblical. And I'm calling us to look at the Great Commission biblically, fully biblically. You see, first of all, it doesn't begin with go. Uh, I don't know what translations you use. I use the NIV translation. That's good it, because it has therefore. It connects what precedes. And you will see in a minute why it's so important. But actually, this is not imperative in the original language. I'm a Bible translator. This is what we call in, in uh, those of you who have studied grammar, you know the difference between a, the a verb and participle. You will translate it, therefore, as you are going, make disciples. That's the only imperative verb in this passage. Make disciples. And then you see the participle, baptizing, teaching. So, very often people take that verse and make it a great commission. I say, great commission says, go make disciples. And I say, no, that's not where the great commission begins. And that is a reduced version of great commission. And that's why I've chosen to speak with you this afternoon on why great commission is greater Jesus' great commission is greater than this semi-evangelical version of the great commission. You see, great commission here, if I may use the expression, is kind of sandwiched between what I call a great foundation. Okay? And then on the top is a great promise. If you remember nothing else, remember there is a great foundation. And that is who Jesus was, how he lived, what he taught, why he went to the cross, and what happened on the third day. Okay? Great foundation. What is great foundation? Jesus, it's after his resurrection, that's important to point out, says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. All authority is, in some translations, it says all power. Both are right. And there are other ways of translating that Greek word, exousia. It could mean the total rule related to Jesus' master taught kingdom of God. His reign, okay, is given, he says, to me. All power in heaven and on earth is given to me. That is an extraordinary statement. One could say it is an outrageous statement. If you hear anybody say all power in heaven and on earth is given to me, 
run for your life. <laughs> Call Homeland Security, FBI, CIA. There is a danger there for you and the world. You know, in Europe, we, we, we had in the last century some of those who claimed all power. In Third Reich, Adolf Hitler, six million people killed. Under Stalin, some claimed 30 million. Go to Mao Zedong, China. Go to Pol Pot, horrible story, Kampuchea. Or you will remember the more recent history, Saddam Hussein. When people claim all power, they become very dangerous. Because power on its own, all power corrupts, absolutely. Power can be very destructive. History is full of it. That's why there is violence. That's why totalitarian regimes kill their own citizens if they think differently. And so all power, Jesus says, all power is given to me. You know, I would like to suggest, my friends, that he is the only one that can with legitimacy make that statement. Yes, but don't clap until I explain, <laughs> okay? You know why? God so loved the world that he sent his son. And Jesus himself speaks so much about love. And when you read the, the first epistle of John, you see how we are to love each other. Now, power without love can be destructive. But if you have only love, it can be just, without any power, it can turn out to be just a nice feeling, good feeling, nice sentiment. Powerless love. What you have in Jesus is a power moderated by love and motivated by love. And that's why it's not destructive, but constructive and reconstructive. That's the divine genius. That's why the gospel is the only hope for our broken, sinful, disoriented world. That's why God placed Times Square Church right here in the center of Manhattan. Because there is power and love at work wherever the name of Jesus is honored and proclaimed. Now, there are two more substantial reasons why he can make that claim, which is the great foundation for the Great Commission, okay? One is that he is the only person that walked our planet Earth and never sinned. Think of it. Jesus is the only person who walked on our planet and never sinned. That's why he was able to take your sins and my sins and have them nailed to the cross. Okay? 
You know, his hands never stole. He never beat up anybody. In his mind, there was never an evil motive. As, or erroneous thought. In his heart, there was never an evil motive. In his mind, there was never erroneous thought. Do you know that Jesus is the only person who walked this planet Earth whose lips never lied? Think of it. Well, maybe here, Times Square Church, there's somebody who never lied. Come on, be brave and lie for the first time in life. And then Pastor Carter and his team and I will consult whether counseling is enough or exorcism is needed. He never lied. We've heard, is it Colin? The worship leader has emphasized that point. I said, hey, there's the leading of the spirit. He never lied. He never stole. So he was without sin. Secondly, he was the only one that came back from the dead. Amen? That's why we celebrate the risen Lord. You read, you read the Acts of the Apostles and you see that wherever they proclaim the gospel, they proclaim two things. Forgiveness of sins and risen Lord. And they all go together. He can forgive because he paid the price on the cross and rose. That is the great foundation for the great commission. Without that, you cannot go to verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. All right? That's the great foundation. Jesus is. The one who never sinned and who rose again and rules victoriously. And now, based on that great foundation, or arising, growing out of that great foundation, we come to the Great Commission. And I'll not say much about this, because this is very familiar. Therefore, as you go, or going, make disciples. Notice, he didn't say make converts. Disciples. Disciples are, you could... Translate that as apprentices. Disciples walk with their master. Learn from him. Watch him. Listen to what he is saying. It's very important that after conversion, conversion is important. It's the turning around. It's the, it's the experience of new life. But what becomes important after that is that we walk with the Lord. That we listen to his voice. That we experience continually his presence. Therefore, make disciples. Baptizing means, you know, incorporating them into the body of Christ. It's that public witness of a covenant between a person and a savior. It's dying to yourself and rising up, Romans 6 to new life in Christ, baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Ooh, that's not an easy text. Jesus is saying, don't be selective in what you teach or what you follow. All of my teaching, he says, 
all of my commandments are part of the divinely ordained plan for your life and for humanity in general. And so that's the Great Commission. And now we come to our third point. Great promise. And surely, Jesus says, I am with you always. Uh, literally translated, it would be, go like this. I am with you all the days. To the very end of the age. His presence with us every day as we move toward eternity. And the very end of the age means that God has a purpose with history. Okay? It's going somewhere. The church is going somewhere. He who created the world, he who put everything into motion, he who created you and me, he who sustains, not only creates, but sustains life and universe, he will bring it to a completion. The age we know. And there comes a beautiful new age of eternal glory. That's where my father and my mother have already moved. Very end, very end, and all the way. That's the great promise. Now, uh, great promise here, of course, is also the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you study the scripture in, in parallel, you see that he promised the Spirit. Spirit is with us. You know, the Holy Spirit is in this place. He takes the word and makes it alive in your mind and your heart. He witnesses to our spirit that we are who? Lost wanderers? Children of God. Amen. And his presence, his promise also means joy. Joy of the Lord. You know, uh, I am, some people know, I'm writing a book on, about joy. And I'll tell you why, where the idea came from. My father, when he would come back from being persecuted, sometimes we did not know whether he would return alive. They ransacked the church that he built with his own hands because he pioneered it. They took him away, bayonets on their rifles. He did come back, but he was under order to appear in a communist militia station every Sunday at 10 o'clock. You see why. So he wouldn't preach somewhere in a forest or in a basement, what, what you used to call many years ago underground church. And two militia men would put him into a small room, no windows, and they played ball with him. One would hit him in the face, he would fall across the room, the other one would hit him back, and they were screaming, why are you so stupid, believing in God? There is no God, we are gods here, we can kill you. They didn't kill him. But they seriously wounded him. And yet I remember, he couldn't eat, he couldn't chew. So he just, just fluid. But he would pray. And we prayed on our knees every evening before going to bed and in the morning. And 
there's a lot of emphasis on prayer. But he would pray whispering, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and joy. Privilege and joy suffering for you because you have suffered for me on the cross. What a privilege and what a joy, he would repeat. And I said, joy? You're all swollen, you can't even eat and you say joy? And then later I discovered that in the Philippians, the apostle Paul, yeah, with, with his back blooded, blooded by, as they whipped him, and his legs, he was chained, and he writes to the Philippians who are out, who are free, okay? And he says, rejoice. I think it's Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice. Wait a moment. Shouldn't you say, cry with me? He said, no, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. <laughs> and then I discovered that in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, as he was rebuilding, well, the enemies destroyed and he was surrounded by enemies on the outside and by traitors on the inside. And he makes that extraordinary discovery and makes the following statement. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I've seen saints in China and in former Soviet Union, in Bulgaria, a friend of my father, 14 and a half years in prison, beaten, suffering. And we could mention a number of people. Time will not permit, but they all discovered joy. Joy. If you have read Tortured of Christ, that converted Jew says he was dancing in the spirit while his feet were in the cold water beneath the ground because he says the presence of the Lord was so strong. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Friends, that is part of this promise. I will be with you. My joy will be with you. And you know, people cannot argue against experience. Experience of new life. Experience of joy amidst the gloomy spirit of our age. So great commission. Great foundation, great commission arising out of it. And then as you obey the great commission, you discover the great presence, the great promise. He's with you. Let me conclude because time in North America always goes faster than in my part of the world. <laughs> Let me illustrate. Bosnia, Muslim-dominated, war-torn country. You have helped us. Times Square Church has helped us bring hope to the land of despair, bring food and clothing to the refugees. And there were thousands, hundreds of thousands who were driven out of their homes, out of their areas. It was called ethnic cleansing. The town of Bihać, Northwest Bosnia, for three and a half years, totally blocked, totally cut off from all civilization, surrounded on all sides. The hospital was operating without anesthesia for over two years. Can you imagine that? 
There are over, over 1,100 kids who lost their parents in Bihać. Two of my students, brave young men, risked their lives across the mountains in snow. They carried some medicine and some food on their backs and each one with two suitcases. They were welcomed as heroes. Somebody called them saviors. They said, no, small s. <laughs> so when finally, with the help of US Army, US-led NATO Army liberated, because we were welcomed, and in the center of the town, we were given a building we could use by the city to distribute food and clothing. And so one day, Antal Balog, my colleague, and I were invited by the mayor to honor us as founders and directors of this ministry. They honored us, and, they, and the whole executive of the town took us for a supper, and we had a nice conversation. And the mayor pulled out a piece of paper, and he said, you were paying 500 German marks. That would be about $350. And he said, I'm signing a paper. You don't need to pay anything anymore. He said, as a mayor, I went to see the house. And as a mayor, I can go anywhere. So I wandered back into the back rooms. And I discovered there were some boxes that were not opened. And I was wondering what it is. And I read on the boxes, it was written, Biblia. You understand that word? There was another one that says, David Wilkerson, Novi Živo to Christo. The translation of the cross and the switchblade. There was another box full of something called Billy Graham Mirzbogom, peace with God. So the mayor, the Muslim mayor, said, you have Christian literature there. Feel free to distribute it. Wow. In Eastern Europe, when we are shocked or surprised, we listen with our mouth open like <laughs> He saw that. You know, hey, uh, a Muslim mayor encouraging an evangelical Pentecostal preacher to distribute literature in his town. See, I told our people, don't start with literature. Start with love. But have it back there. Time will come. And the time did, not, did come in an unexpected way. And I said, Mayor Alagic, you're a Muslim and I'm a Christian. How is it that we get along this well? And he said, Dr. Kuzmic, that's because you're not the kind of Christian that we think when we hear the word Christians. Your boys did not come hating or raping our women and girls, which was unfortunately happening. And they loved everyone. And so because of who you are, I, who am not the kind of Muslim that some people think, I'm just a nominal Muslims. Muslim, he said, I don't have a deep commitment to Allah. But he says, I'm increasingly interested in your Jesus. Yes, because of who you are, who you are, he put it in that order, who you are and because of what you do. And then he said, and he obviously, or his assistant studied who we were. He said, and if you want a church, want to open a church, go ahead. By this time, my mouth was hurting. 
And then he said, oh, we, you can do it. We trust you. And I said, Mayor, why do you trust us? And he said, you became credible with us because you first became vulnerable with us. You became credible because you first became vulnerable. And he just opened the door for me to share with him the story of the most credible person. Yes. The great foundation. So he's so credible because he became vulnerable to the point on the cross. Friends, let us stand before the Lord. And you may want to come and commit or recommit yourself to the great foundation, to the Lord Jesus, who became credible because he was vulnerable, who died for your sins. Amen. Let us all become great commission Christians, truly founded in Christ, who died for us on the cross. Bring to him your burden as well as your recommitment is here. Hallelujah. As we pray, put your right hand on your, at your heart and lift the other hand toward heaven. Lord, I recommit my life to you. Thank you for dying for me on that cross. Through your blood, I'm cleansed. And thank you that you fill me with your spirit. You are the great foundation of my life. So I will obey your great commission and be a witness for you. And now as we pray, think of a person that you want to come to the Lord. It may be your neighbor, it may be your relative. Just think of that one person at this point and mention that person to the Lord in prayer right now. And then say, Lord, lead me by your spirit to take this hope, this love to whatever the name of that person is. Lord, so many persons are mentioned here in prayer right now. Guide my brothers and sisters. Guide them by your spirit and make their witness genuine, convincing, anointed, loving. And so we pray that as we go from this place, your joy, your divine presence will go with us. And that nobody who is here at this altar or in the pew or in the, on the balcony will be lost or confused. May we all know the Lamb of God who died for our sins, the Lion of Judah who is the risen Lord and walk with Him to the glory of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, and all people of God say amen and amen.